Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. It's been a busy week for us here. We're going to focus on two of the big issues, all related to what's going on in Tallahassee, the appointment of our new education commissioner, former Florida House Speaker Richard Corcoran, and the beginning of the governor-elect Ron DeSantis move into becoming governor with his Education Advisory Committee, which has met twice in the past week and a half. We're going to talk about those things with Emily Mahoney, our Tallahassee reporter out there, and we're going to jump right into that conversation now. So, Emily, you've been gone for far too long from the podcast. You um, stuck with the DeSantis campaign, I guess, right? That's right. Yep. After a long uh, election season and recount season, I am glad to be back on uh, the policy boat a little bit. And perfect timing and confluence of, of all sorts of ideas into one, the DeSantis Education and Workforce Development Advisory Committee, a, what, 40 to 45 member panel, depending on how many you count, <laughs> has met <laughs> twice in the past couple of days. And you and I have both been listening. And what has struck you the most about what they've been doing so far? Well, they had a meeting this morning, and I think one of the things that was most interesting was they addressed uh, one of DeSantis's campaign proposals, um, and it was one of the ones that we kind of found initially striking as well on the campaign trail, and that was uh, for all, 80% of all education funding to be spent, quote-unquote, in the classroom. And so uh, the the members of the committee, first of all, discussed today kind of what in the classroom should mean. And that's why I put it in quotes, because the definition of in the classroom is going to be critically important to how achievable that goal really is. Um, because as you and I have discussed before, there was a previous proposal, uh, except it was 65% of education funding in the classroom. So 80% is a pretty high threshold, and depending on how you define that will really shape um, how practical this all is. And so that was a major topic of conversation by the committee today. Basically, what does this mean? And that's the first step we need to take. Um, but it was really interesting to hear what the different committee members said. Um, the committee is made up of a lot of different people, as you mentioned, some of whom are on the State Board of Education, some of whom are former superintendents, former teachers, lobbyists, all sorts of different different perspectives. And it was pretty universally recognized that this is going to be a challenge um, and that they're going to need to get pretty creative um, if they want to even get close to that 80% threshold. Uh, one member, uh, Andy Tuck, who is the vice chairman of the State Board of Education, suggested that perhaps uh, in rural counties they could kind of combine forces with some of these small rural districts and share administrative personnel so that they would only have, say, one superintendent for multiple um, districts, for example. And that's just a, he gave it in a very kind of loose way. And that's just a, a totally cautious example. I'm not necessarily saying he meant superintendents, but. Yeah, I wanted to point that out too, because he was not advocating for the loss of the superintendent position, which oversees an entire school district in these counties, which they've worked so hard to 
maintain some local control and local identity, but there are these consortiums that already exist where they collaborate on things like purchasing. And that's where he was talking about because he too understands that, you know, you don't necessarily need six purchasing directors, six transportation directors and all that, but you, you do need to have those things be done. And some of those small districts are combined smaller still than a Miami or a Hillsboro. Right. Yeah. And it was really interesting too. I mean, even as they're bringing up these ideas, it's, it's very clear how early in the process this all is. I mean, obviously, uh, Ron DeSantis hasn't even been sworn in as the new governor yet. And these transition committees are pretty much just brainstorming at this point. Um, And so even uh, Andy Tuck was more kind of advocating to take a look at this and not necessarily that this is the answer, um, but it is pretty much just at the brainstorming phase at this point. It was my understanding that from what Marva Johnson, the, the chairwoman of it, she was saying that they hope to have some recommendations to the governor's office by the time he is sworn in. Definitely. Yeah. All of the different committees will be providing a written list of formal recommendations. So um, we'll definitely be reporting those when they come out, because I'm really curious to see what they eventually kind of land on after all of this discussion. Yeah. In addition to talking about the whole idea of what does spending in the classroom mean, they talked about the most important piece of the classroom, which is the classroom teacher, and how they're going to be able to attract and retain teachers and reward them for a strong performance, which is what everybody's end goal is. And so while they were talking about teacher pay, a whole variety of aspects came up of, are we going to do more along the lines of the best and brightest? Are we going to create a fair and adequate base salary before we keep talking more about performance pay? What do we measure when we're discussing performance? That was an interesting conversation too, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And teacher pay was, again, uh, I keep thinking about the campaign because I'm still transitioning from that that part of uh, my job, but that was a huge issue in the campaign for governor um, pretty much from the beginning. Um, Andrew Gillum, the Democratic nominee, you know, campaigned on a huge $1 billion influx of cash into education uh, for, with the purpose of increasing the base teacher salary. And um, so far, the legislature has seemed to really be more on the um, more on board with performance based bonuses rather than across the board raises. But it's interesting that even after the election is over in this transition committee that DeSantis has put together, that that conversation is still happening, that do we need to raise the base salary? Do we need to stick with bonuses? If Should we restructure the way the bonuses are evaluated? So uh, just in general, teacher pay, I think, is an issue that's never going to go away. On that general front, Senator Kevin Rader, from the Democrat from Palm Beach County, has refiled for, I think it's the sixth time, his bill to set the minimum teacher pay in Florida for $50,000. And that was what Gillum was talking about. And from what I understand, uh, Senate President Galvano has not dismissed out of hand at least considering that bill. So maybe this conversation will go on even beyond the transition committee advisory panels. I'm sure it will. Education's always always a top issue, and I doubt it will be any different this year. Yeah, and they're, they're going to meet one more time as an advisory committee. And the issues that are scheduled for next time are parental empowerment and workforce development and preparedness. And some people are really sort of anxious about what's going to happen, especially on the parental involvement 
part because there are two people on this committee who are from the Florida Citizens Alliance, and they have been spearheading a statewide effort to attack what goes on in the curriculum and textbooks of school districts in Collier County and other places. They're sort of been anti-climate change, anti-certain things in history. And so there's been a push to try and get them removed or to get them neutralized. So that that's going to be a really interesting conversation. I know that the people who have been involved there from the Florida Citizens Alliance, they have two members on this 40-something member committee. So that was a kind of interesting choice. It'll be interesting to see because I know that Ron DeSantis talked about wanting to change the curriculum some, wanting to assess whether the portions of the Common Core that Florida still uses, which is basically all of it, and they just call it Florida Standards, uh, with a couple of things added to it like calculus and cursive writing, whether those need to stay or go. He talked about adding the Constitution back into the classroom, whatever that means. And so those conversations and choice will be very interesting. The The part on workforce development, I'm not so sure, is very controversial. Everybody seems to be on board with that. Yeah, definitely. And DeSantis also on the campaign trail, I believe, talked about reevaluating textbooks um, to look for things such as anti-Israel bias, I believe was an example that he used. So it'll be I'll be very interested to see if um, kind of reevaluating specific curriculum points like that, like in textbooks, will come up at the next meeting. I'm pretty sure it will. So that's going to be one we're going to be watching closely and I guess we'll keep live tweeting and sharing this information with our readers so that way they know what's going on along with us. Definitely. But this wasn't the only thing that happened this week. We also had a big change in the commissioner's chair for the Department of Education. When we left the State Board of Education in October, they had just extended Pam Stewart's contract or her tenure because she doesn't really have a contract for an additional year. That was before we knew whether... Andrew Gillum or Ron DeSantis was going to win. And now she's resigned and Richard Corcoran is in his, is in the seat, uh, fully appointed and approved. That's right. Yeah, it was uh, quite uh, a hearing, honestly, on Monday. Uh, Monday morning was when that happened. And, uh, you know, Richard Corcoran, former House Speaker and a pretty aggressive school choice advocate, um, was recommended by Governor-elect Ron DeSantis for the position. Um, as you've noted before, uh, the board obviously has to be the one that appoints the commissioner. So on Monday, he came to the board meeting and made about a 30-minute speech in kind of a typical Corcoran uh fast talking, you know, kind of passionate manner and talked about how it was imperative that Florida break the mold of one size fits all schools and that it continue to um, pave the way for school choice, basically. And that's how he wants to shape his career as commissioner of education. And he faced about an hour of questions by the different board members. Um, there was some pretty uh, pretty good back and forth with the public comments as well. People advocating for him, people saying that, you know, they needed to do a national search instead and continue looking and not just accept uh, this candidate that the governor elect proposed. Um, but in the end, you know, he, like you said, he was, he was unanimously appointed uh, the commissioner. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles that because everybody knows him as the house speaker who's kind of fiery and out in front and says 
controversial things to the press. And now he's going to be heading a state agency where, you know, he's he is under the governor. He'll be under the new governor and um, in charge of kind of pushing that agenda. I did speak to him after he was appointed. He didn't talk to us beforehand because he said he didn't want to. What's his phrase? Get out in front of the skis. Mm -hmm. And he likes he likes to use that phrase. And um he t I asked him what is his style going to be like and how is he planning to lead? Is he going to be really out in front, not of his skis, but out in front of the policy debate and schmoozing with the lawmakers and pushing an agenda or just being more of a functionary bureaucrat working with the board and the governor's office? And he didn't even want to talk about that. He said that he needed to consult with the governor first and find out if the governor would be fine with him being one way or another. So we're still waiting to see that. But he promised he will talk to us from time to time and not just hide behind some door somewhere. And I guess that's not surprising because he does like to get his word out, right? Definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be curious to see how he handles that. But um, it's it happened pretty quickly and it's a done deal. So that we will now be seeing Commissioner Richard Corcoran. And that frightens a lot of people who say that they don't like that he's been like spearheading issues such as the expansion of charter school, schools through the Schools of Hope program, expansion of uh, the tax credit scholarship programs with that, they call it, what do they call it? The Hope Scholarship. They, they like the word hope a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that they give private school scholarships to students who claim they've been bullied and the districts don't even have to prove that anything happened. If they claim they've been bullied, they can use that scholarship. They don't like that he's been involved with things like that. And they feel like he's in the privatization of education mode. The Florida Education Association, the teachers union, tried very hard to derail his appointment. But when they found out that he was going to be there, they started sounding like the other associations, which were all very hesitant going into the board meeting. Oh, we'll work with whoever the commissioner is. We'll look forward to having a collaborative and cooperative relationship kind of thing. After the meeting, Fed Ingram, the new FEA president, was almost conciliatory in a way. You talked with him too. What did he tell you? Yeah, that was a really interesting moment. Um, you know, Fed Ingram, the new FEA president, uh, is also newly elected to lead the state teachers union. So, you know, it is kind of, he, he had the tone that it was two kind of changing of the guard moments and that the, the injuries of the past, um, you know, are in the past and that he was hopeful that um, Richard Corcoran would be open to speaking with them. And the two of them had an exchange after the um, board meeting was over outside in the hallway of the Capitol, just really briefly, but they kind of joked around a little bit and uh, Fed Ingram invited him to their February 1st meeting. And he said he accepted and said he would go. So uh, we'll see how that goes. The teachers unions, um, you know, as you know, have long been kind of, uh, steeply opposed to the expansion of school choice. And um, so we'll see, we'll see how this all goes. <laughs> and they certainly didn't have any love lost for Richard Corcoran, who led a bill that would allow for the decertification of teacher unions. So exactly. Yeah. And, and he I, called the, didn't he call the teacher unions evil as well? Yeah. Last year was, was pretty ugly for the teachers unions and Richard Corcoran specifically. I mean, they accused him of uh, running that bill that imposed um, 
membership requirements on the teachers unions specifically no other unions just the teachers unions and they you know accused him of running that bill because of their opposition to his education measures in the past so it got pretty ugly um it'll be interesting to see how things are going forward with these two new leaders uh like you said things are civil so far 2019 is going to be a brand new year for florida education policy we'll find out if it's more of the same or amped up on steroids or if there's actually collaboration in the in the works that should be exciting i'm looking forward to it definitely never boring well thanks emily again for joining me on the podcast and we're going to get started hot and heavy again with the committee meetings starting the week of january 7th and, and you'll be back i hope yes sir that's the end of our conversation if you'd like to join in please go to our facebook page tampa bay times gradebook to keep following the latest in education news in Florida, go to our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. If you like this podcast, please share it with others, review it, and you can get it on Google Play, iTunes, and other places. And I'm still waiting to hear from somebody who wants to tell me what you want to hear about on this podcast. We are happy to try and oblige that. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.